Boris Bogdanovich spent years working with local communities in conflict areas of Afghanistan and Jordan to help them save their cultural heritage. Now back in New Zealand, Boris is a conservation advisor for Heritage New Zealand, Pohere Taonga's northern region. Now this involves helping owners of historic buildings, from individual homes to museums, conserve and if necessary extend or update their properties legally and sympathetically. He also works as a conservation architect. But first I was interested to know more about Boris's pride in his Serbo-Croatian heritage. My family has always been one that was very interested in I guess culture and heritage and stories is something I keep coming back to. And we were we were very happy where we were living, former Yugoslavia, but then this war came along that unfortunately made us reassess our priorities and our safety and um, and also the philosophy with which 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 we believed in as a as a family and so we were very lucky to move to Aotearoa and so I spent probably the first 10 years of my life in Europe and then the next 10 years in Aotearoa in New Zealand which I'm really grateful for and I'm a very proud Kiwi as well as a Serbo-Croat. I can't imagine the culture shock though for you and for your family to go from such an ancient civilization to to one of the youngest nations in the world. <laughs> it is a young nation, but I, I always make sure I point out to people that this his, this country has very ancient origins, both in terms of its nature, both in terms of the First Nations that arrived here and Maori archaeology and architecture, which is a real passion for me. But I actually saw it a little bit differently. I always felt I had my European uh, fuck-up up on my European heritage, my European awareness of European Taonga, but what I was really fascinated by was what that meant here. And so I actually think the opposite happened. I think New Zealand, Aotearoa, taught me a lot about caring for things that are less visible, less tangible, if you will. I think in Europe we have so many cities and villages and buildings and iconic structures. I think in Aotearoa we, we, it, it is as rich and as meaningful, but we just have to look a little bit harder a bit hidden. You've uh, returned home for your day job at Heritage New Zealand, which we'll come back to in a moment, but I really must ask you about these years you've spent overseas in Afghanistan, you know, for example, in conflict zones, and also in Jordan. Yes. What took you to these places, and, and what were you working on? You've got a great sense of community, Boris. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. I, well, I think, I think people... Probably one of the biggest lessons, and I'll come back to this, I learned in, in my time in these amazing countries that I was so lucky to spend a long time in, or longer than most people are lucky to be there, is the sense of prioritizing community and people. But w- the, way, the way it worked was very simple. I, I met up with a, with a dear old friend about five or six years ago who I, you know, as you do, you realize that you've, you've done everything you could in a role. And I said to my good friend, Harry, one of the other people who worked for this charity I ended up working for, that I was ready to you know, look at, look at new ro- roles. And he said to me, would you like to go to Kabul? There's a role with the organization he was with in Kabul. And I said, anywhere but Kabul. I'd love to go, but I can't do this to my poor family who took me from one war and to go to another war zone. But um, I was very lucky. I was flown out there by the Turquoise Mountain Trust. This is the charity that I was... Uh, I ended up working for, and they flew me out, and I was completely blown away. First, the privilege of being in a in a very, very ancient city, an ancient country that very few people get to see, and secondly, even more importantly, by the work they were doing. So the Tur- Turquoise Mountain Trust was set up in 2006 under the patronage of then the Prince of Wales, His Royal Highness Prince Charles, and today His Majesty the King. 
Charles III. And it was set up under a really fascinating model that I was, was really motivated by and really inspired by. Essentially, they go in, we go in, and work with local communities in historic areas, in heritage contexts, whether on buildings or neighborhoods, or in some cases, the dream was to work on towns, even cities, and look very closely at the built heritage of those people, or at least that was my role as an architect, and then with them come up with design projects that repair, restore, conserve houses, um, create buildings using traditional techniques for schools or clinics, and it was thrilling to be part of a community, to be part of a, of a, of a group, and be part of a long chain because the project had been going for decades. So that was the work in, in Afghanistan. In Jordan, I was very lucky to be sent over there to set up a new project. There we were working on an archaeological site in the north of the country, this astounding place called Umkais, which I'd never even heard of, ancient Gadara, as it was, it was, it was once known. And there, again, we were working with a, with a local village to create work, create opportunities to make some money, create opportunities to learn old new skills, if that makes sense, and restore buildings for the benefit of the people. I mean, this is very much part of, of your work, wasn't it? What was using, in some cases, reviving traditional building skills. That must have been really fascinating for you, because there's no point taking in 3D printers or, or you know new technology they wouldn't be able to use. But also you want to honour, I mean, you're working with historic buildings, I get a sense you want to honour that. Yes, Absolutely. And I did have to rethink my own conceptions of conservation and my own conceptions of, of working with historic buildings because, so Lynn, there are, there are many schools of thought when it comes to conservation and different countries approach different paths. Being trained in New Zealand and Aotearoa and then subsequently in the UK, I had quite, a, I guess, a strict notion of what we're allowed to do and what's okay. We don't want to, I was trained that you shouldn't replicate and fake stuff. I actually belong to a society called the Society for Protection of Ancient Buildings that was set up by William Morris in the mid-19th century. The philosophy of that group is staying off decay through daily repair and daily care. And the idea there is that you don't actually try and make something new look old, if that makes sense. What I found myself thinking about when I was in Kabul and in subsequently in Amman and in in case in Jordan was that... In teaching those skills, we are not only giving somebody techniques that they can use on a day-to-day basis, particularly in Afghanistan, where people still live in traditional housing, but we are also making people aware of the fact that this is part of a long tradition. And I think in, in places that have experienced conflict and experienced suffering, skills and techniques that remind you of your fathers, mothers, grandparents, ancestors can give you a, at the risk of sounding a bit cliched, can really give you a sense of hope for the future. And and that was really exciting and seeing a new generation come along because, so I, I'm an architect, but at Turquoise Mountain, uh, my previous organization, there were also people working with jewelers, with calligraphers, with carpenters. And so there was this proliferation of, of very beautiful things being made by people who have not had a chance to think about and make nice things for many, many years. And it, it was very exciting. What brought you home, can I ask? Yes, of course. I I think it was a combination of things. I think like many people, COVID had made me reassess and reappraise some priorities. And I decided it was time to spend some more time with my family, who are living here still. But um, 
after five years of life and work in Afghanistan and in Jordan, it was also time to take a bit of a break. It, it had been a very, very meaningful and very intense time, and I had decided to uh, step back a little. Not not do less, but because there is still a lot to do in Aotearoa. I was made aware of this role at Poheretaonga at Heritage New Zealand, and I, I couldn't resist taking it on. I do also have another another job where I work with um, my, my dear old friend and, and uh, former teacher, Graham Burgess, at Burgess Street and Knight Architects in St. Mary's Bay. So I'm very lucky. I've got a nice spread of of work with Poheretaonga where we look at high-level strategy and, and also day-to-day responding to people's proposals for historic buildings. But I do also get involved with design and new build, which is which is nice. So I think conservation advisor is your formal role um, with mm. Heritage New Zealand, uh, and this is working with owners of historic buildings. So is this, say, institutions, business owners, individuals as well, individual homeowners? Because we have heritage buildings scattered mm. around the Motu, of course. Yes, yes, we do. My title in Te Reo is Kaitohu Tohu Pena Pena. Uh, it essentially means advisor, instructor. Uh, they who make order from chaos, and I thought that was that was a very good way of putting it. No, in no way a comment for the applications we receive, but uh, and then pena pena means to take care of or engage with with in this case Taonga. So my role is is really good fun because I get to talk to people and look at their ideas and proposals for their historic buildings. As you say, in some cases they are private owners of houses. In other cases it might be a museum or a um, an academic institution or even a school or church. And yeah, we have many, many uh, marvelous historic heritage places all around the Motu and all around Aotearoa. So anyone can call us or frankly, even walk into the office and, and have a chat. Uh, it's, a, it's a public service that we offer. So say for a private homeowner, they have knowingly bought a heritage building so that they will know that there are restrictions on what they can do. If they come and talk to you, what are the, the things most likely that they might want to change? It's, I mean, how long is a piece of string? It depends very much on, on the building and the owner and their plans. But I guess the day-to-day bread-and-butter work is... Listed buildings, listed houses in Tamaki Makoto, for you know, in Auckland, it's we are we are a city famous for its villas and its historic timber houses. So in those cases, it'll often be, uh, let's say, a family who has just moved into a Category Two listed house in, um, let's say, in St Mary's Bay, and they want to do an extension or they want to uh, reform the interior in some way or they want to add more space or, and we will then work with their representatives, often their architects or project managers or whoever is represents them professionally, on the best outcomes for both the people and the place. And I think that's a really important project. I work with other architects and we do, heritage is really, really important. It's, it's really precious and it's vulnerable. Historic heritage places, that is. However, personally, I'm not a big believer in treating historic buildings like museums, unless they are museums <laughs> or cathedrals or something, something that, that's for all of us. If it's a private home and it has a chance of surviving for another few generations by being adjusted or tweaked, a healthy conversation can take place between owner and architect and poere taonga to make sure a good outcome is reached for everyone. So I guess you'd describe that perhaps as a, as a sympathetic alteration or restoration or, or addition even. So I'm, I'm, in a way I'm surprised that you could have a listed building that could have an addition to it. 
You can. It's, I mean, it's, it's such a fascinating topic, isn't it? Historic landscapes and, and how they change and how much we should keep and what the priorities are and, and how, how our evaluation of things changes as, as a society, as people. Before my time in these wonderful places uh, in Central Asia and in, in uh, the Middle East, I was working in the United Kingdom for just over just a decade, actually. And in the UK, my training and work there was, they just have a lot more stuff. <laughs> so it's a lot more complex and it can be a, be a lot more sensitive. Uh, and that was very good training for what we do here because use is, is the best preserver. They say poverty is the best preserver because if there's not much money, you don't change buildings. But I think use is the best preserver that is sympathetic and that is sensitive. So even a house with an extension with an extra room because your family has grown or with a bit more space because now we have dishwashers and washing machines in the past they didn't, is sustaining its long-term benefit, to use, a, to use a technical term. I'm thinking back, I'm from um, Dunedin actually, and I'm thinking back probably, might even be three decades, but I, I remember there being a, um, a, a furore over the fact that some homeowners were told the colour palette that they were allowed to paint their wooden houses, you know, their historic mm. wooden houses. Is that still a thing or has that <laughs> attitude modified? Or it might even be different in the northern area where you are. Well, that's a, you've, you've hit a wonderful nerve there and it's a, that in itself is really interesting. Yes, that is still something to be discussed and it's something that we will ask and we have the right to ask under our uh, statutory responsibility as Heritage New Zealand Poe had a tongue under the Act of 2014, <laughs> to use a bureaucratic term. We have the permission and the duty to inquire. But when it comes to a historic building, I mean, I saw this best of all in, in, in London where people would buy multi-million pound properties and then be told they can't have air conditioning. That would get quite spicy. But in, in New Zealand, we... There is an awareness that in a street of buildings, which are, let's say are, are historic houses and they're painted in historically, shall we say, relevant colors, to paint your house a, a bright fuchsia could be fun, but it may be more respectful and more kind to that historic area if it was in keeping with the rest. So I think it's all on a case-by-case -case basis. Have you ever had instances, I just saw a, um, a story I read briefly and stuff the other day about a, a building that had been listed as a very old building that had, it looked like it had been just left to rot and fall down and was about to be demolished. Mm. What are the responsibilities of a homeowner in that case? If you own a building, can you just walk away and, I don't know if that happened in this instance, but, you know, wait until it can't be saved and then go, well, you know, got to come down. Yes, that does happen, not just in, in Aotearoa, but the world over. And building owners do have a responsibility towards all buildings, but we are aware, not to get too boring with the, with the bureaucratic background, but the engagement of Heritage New Zealand Po Heritanga. As I say, we have a statutory responsibility, and so if things are happening to a listed building, buildings that are on the Rarangi Korero, on our, on our heritage list, we are notified or should be notified. So we would get information and we would then inquire about what was happening there. Unfortunately, that does happen, and people... I mean, I've heard stories or I've read implications that say not just in Aotearoa, but, but many places of buildings being left to, to rot or being set on fire even to get rid of them and to claim back insurance money, etc. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying before about 
paint color, for example, you do sometimes get people who are not fully aware of, of how processes work and, and maybe and, and can be quite annoyed that some stranger sitting in, a, in Auckland gets, has a say on what they do with their historic structure. I mean, this may be above your pay grade, Boris, so tell me if it is, but the hmm. move towards intensification, particularly in Tamaki Makaurau, but, but mm. around the country, does that make you concerned? And also talk, of course, about the Resource Management Act being mm. revised or rewritten or whatever that might mean. Do you have concerns that heritage um, buildings may become more vulnerable? I can say very openly that I was involved with the feedback that Heritage New Zealand Pohera Taonga gave. Personally, I definitely believe that this country needs housing and housing is a massive priority for this, for Aotearoa and, and for our people. However, the way we go about that could be reconsidered and the, the way it's been approached from a higher level and the processes that have gone into thinking about which areas should and could be intensified perhaps need a bit of a rethink. And I encourage everyone who's interested in this very important topic to, to make themselves well informed. There's lots, of, there's lots of information out there from groups on both sides. I'll be very curious to see what happens because it's, it's a, it feels like a bit of a turning point, particularly for Tamaki Makoto. And having come back and seen how much h- historic heritage buildings do survive and then how much have been lost in the five, ten years I've, I've been away has been a bit, a bit scary. My last question for you. No problem. Tell me about your first graphic novel. How's work going on it? Oh, <laughs> Greg, thank you for asking about that. Uh, to be honest with you, I've been a bit busy with work, but it's, 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 it's all right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to define the, the stories that I want to tell, and they will, be, they will be based on some of my experiences, particularly in Afghanistan and in Jordan, uh, I think places that people don't get to see. I'd like to share a bit more of those stories. Boris Bogdanovich from Heritage New Zealand.